Ami Yahweh, thank you for this time. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your relentless pursuit, Father. Thank you for just allowing this to take place, Father. Thank you for allowing me to come into your treasury to take this share. So, I just love, I love it when the, when the Spirit confirms thought process and shows that he is indeed the one calling. You know, you have, we get so many thoughts going on. And we get all these things wrapped up. And we think that we've got the solutions. And that we have the answers. And that we are going to take care of things. See, there's a... Um, there's a spirit that I have... Um, slackened off because... I believe, and the Holy Spirit is confirming this in that this it's called an orphan spirit. I've shared this with you. Um, I'm confessing to my brothers and sisters because we shouldn't do that. Um, I'm confessing this to you is that my orphan spirit is not because I was an orphan um, as man or mammon defines being an orphan. I, I knew my earthly parents. I knew both. Um, I had my earthly mother and father were together and stayed together and my entire life until I went off gallivanting for the Marines until they decided to send me hither and yon. And that was when I left them. However, this orphan spirit came into being and I allowed it and it set up a foundational residence because of my alienation uh, relationship with my half-brothers that I allowed to come in and remain. And I, I never looked at it that way. I never... Whenever I spoke of them or talked to anyone about them, I didn't, um, you know, unless a specific question relative was asked, I never called them my stepbrothers or my half-brothers. And they weren't, they were not actually, um, I never mentioned them that way. unless it became relative in conversation and then they asked about relative to my father and then I said, oh, well, they're my, uh, they're my half-brothers. But I never mentioned them that way. So this orphan spirit is one that I allowed to enter in because it was it was rough growing up. They, I was alienated and ostracized by them, and set outside. And and the only one that became accepting, actually accepting, was uh, my brother who had become a pastor, and knew that what he was had been involved in. And he rebuked that. And he was the only one. And then as the others became older, and I kept looking for their relationship, then it changed and they started acting more like adults. Albeit one. <laughs> which so forth. But I, you know, 
He's still in my purse, stays in my purse, and he is what he is. And that doesn't change anything. So this orphan spirit came and decided to take up residence, and I allowed it to take place. But now I rebuke that orphan spirit because that orphan spirit causes us to act out in ways that we should not, and that are not appropriate, and they're not scriptural. We try to overcorrect, we overemphasize, and we become very... Mm, demonstrative in having to make sure that we make sure that something is correct and that we chase that end. Well, that's not the end that we should be in pursuit of in anything that we do. So that spirit gets rebuked and, and tearing down the foundational what she's really upset about, and that's okay. I don't, I don't mind when the Satan and the enemy gets upset, not at all. And when he does and he comes at me and tries to do it harder, that's okay too. Why? Because I know that I've got him upset and I know that what I'm doing is what God wants me to do. And my being about my father's business gets him so agitated. Yeah, it does. <laughs> But being about my father's business is what we are to be about. Um, I'm going to share something with you here. And... This is something that we have to be We have to be aware of this. This is something that happened. Now, this orphan spirit, what it allows to happen, and, and the scripture tells us that nothing can separate us from God's love. Man, mammon, principalities, there is one that makes it appear that we have been that. And, and then Satan will expound on that. But remember, I share this with you often and as often as I can, is that his pseudonym or his other name is fear, false, evidence, appearing, real. His name is Anomengram. We ourselves will turn our back or we ourselves will walk away. And then he expounds on that by making us believe that we are now separated from God. But that's not true. In our mind's eye, we have or we are, but that's not true. That's not the truth. The other pseudonym that Satan has and is really good at is a liar. He is called a liar because that's what he does. He lies, cheats, steals, deceives. He comes in to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. Christ Jesus tells us that. We find that in the book of Matthew and the book of John. But it is not the physical that he comes in to do any of that. This is, this is what he does. Remember, I share this with you all the time. And I have to remind you because folks tend to forget. Because he's really good at what he does. And I say that not as something, again, to be corrective of my those that claim to be Christians should know this by reading the Bible. And if they're reading the Bible, really reading the Bible, they will know that what I say is true. And remember this, I remind you often, I will only speak and share truth with you. 
I'm not going to make things up to make myself appear to be something I am not. That's Satan's deal, not mine. He's very good at these subtleties in the way that he comes in to get you to perceive something that is not real or to believe it is. And he does this oftentimes and he will camouflage himself to be something greater than what he is. He will get you to think that he's something greater than he is and he's not coming in to do physicality to you because that's not permitted. But he's going to try to convince you to give up your joy. And there are many that do. I, I have a sister who is sharing that. And she did that she was not feeling it. Classmate. Well, that's unfortunate because see, she, she let it go. And that's factual. Sounds kind of, might be kind of hurtful, but it's truth. If we open our hands and let go of that thing that God has presented us with, do you honestly believe that the demons who have come to pester and torment you and get you to do that very thing are not going to take hold and make a run for it? That's their purpose. That's what they pursue us for. They don't come to help us out. They don't come to lift up any loads that we're getting. No, 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 no. They're there to make it as difficult for us as possible. And they will come often. And if you are pursuing a walk with God, as you should be, they're going to come. They will. That's, that's guaranteed. Christ tells us that. Matthew 24. Look at it. There will be troubles in this world. And they are going to come because the world is fallen and broken. Because of the choices that man and mammon have made. So making us believe that we are now separated from God, we are not. We turned our back on him. We made that decision and we chose to be. But God, know this. Know this truth. God is our good, good father. Abba Yahweh. Our heavenly father. He is our good shepherd. Bible tells us that. And when Jesus teaches us how to pray, There are some phrases in there that you need to be aware of. We're not talking about physical. Nothing in that is physical other than he wants to put his arms around us and love us and hug us. That is. And he does. And it's spiritual. But if you do that, when I come in here and I'm... <sighs> I sit here in God's watch and sharing and he comes and he, he rests his hand on my shoulder or he even comes and embraces me. And sometimes he doesn't even have to, I just know that he's here and I can feel that love. But here's the thing, you have to understand that he's our good, good father, he's our good shepherd and we are told these things. And as it is in that prayer that Christ teaches, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name, hallowed. Give us this day our daily bread. Christ is teaching spiritually. He's not talking about physically feeding us. He's talking about spiritually feeding us. Remember what the word of God is called. In the scriptures, Christ, the word, remember John 1, 1. 
that the word of God is called the bread of life. Christ is called our bread, our portion. And it's important to know that God give us this day our daily bread. Provide us your word every single day, Father. The true nutrition that our spiritual body needs to have. So despite or in spite of what Satan would like us to believe, know this truth, that our heavenly father, our good, good father, our good shepherd is relentless in his pursuit of lost sheep, those that have decided to turn their back and walk away, become a part of the apostasy, and even in that great number, God still pursues because he is our good, good father. He is our good shepherd and he is relentless. What does that mean? He does not ease up. He does not slack. And he doesn't slow his step, maintaining his speed and his vigor in his walk after us and his pursuit of us and finding us as we are lost. So that separation that takes place is in our mind's eye because as we are told in the scriptures and that is in our adoption letter, I've shared it with you. I'm gonna share it with you again. We go to Romans chapter eight and we go to verse 38. And 39. I believe that would be the correct numbers. Oh, there it is. And I have a special marker that I put in there. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we may think, or the devil wants us to believe that we are separated from that, but oh no. The reality is that nothing can do that. And remember that he is relentless. Doesn't slack, maintains his step and his vigor in his pursuit of his lost sheep. That would be you. Don't like to be, don't like that metaphor. Too bad. It's appropriate and it fits because that's what he is. That's what John calls him. That's what he calls himself. And that's what we are. We are his sheep. In the book of Psalms, we are called that. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He doesn't use that to poke and prod you. See, that's the other thing that the devil tries to get you to believe is that that is used to poke and prod you and keep you in line. Well, that's not what that's for because God is our good shepherd. Now see, Satan on the other hand, he would do that, but that's not what God does. God uses that to protect us and guide us, not to poke, prod, and whack on you. He helps you, protects you, loves you, comes for you when you decide to turn your back on God and take a walk and think that you've got it all figured out, well, here he comes. He's unyielding 
and he keeps coming. Now, Satan likes you to see God in a different light than what he presents. And the, the word of God tells us that he will chasten. I mean, my earthly father, but God is our heavenly father. He loves us. He wants us to make, make sure that we're doing the right thing, pursuing the right things, going in the right direction. And on occasion, that might be chastening or correcting or something to be done to get us that way. But it's not out of cruelty or meanness by any way, shape, or form. But see, Satan wants you to believe that. So I actually have kind of a problem with this uh, other definition that is put in here is that God is uh, severe, strict, and harsh. Well, no, he's not. Satan wants you to perceive what God does when he corrects us or is correcting or tending us or taking care of us or being our good father. He wants us to believe the negative but there's nothing negative about anything that God does. Nothing. And it's always for our benefit and for our good. Always. And remember this too. And you have to remember and know this. Plant this in your heart, plant it in your mind, wherever it's there going to remain. And we know that all things work together for good for them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So sharing that God is love, being about our father's business, loving him, he makes sure that all things work out well. Satan doesn't want us to see that. But remember, this is a choice that you have. God always gives us a free will choice. Just like in John 3.16. He's not condemning you to hell. You have a choice. You can choose to accept that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, and that Christ, the anointed of God, came for the purpose he did. And knowing that in your heart, in your mindset, believing that, but that's not what Satan wants you to believe. See, that that's our purpose is to do this, and my purpose, as I've shared with you already, that that I did, they did this thing called a, uh, the 2023 wrap showing that I've done, and I hadn't seen this before. So as I told you that this thing, this uh, platform has kind of changed things. So the, the, the parent outfit that was doing it began, they do this annual wrap. And God permitted me to see this and, and drew me to that and, said it's okay for you to look at it because I don't, as I've shared with you, I don't do the statistical and I don't do the sponsorship and I don't get, uh, you know, these uh, names and things, uh, the name dropping that I do in regards to music and things that are shared by artists. I, I don't do that for sponsorship and I don't get any. It's not what I'm looking for. Um, But it is to share the fact that these folks are sharing in truth. And that's why I put them in this sharing truth. And this is a really powerful thing that God showed me that, that uh, and knowing that I could not physically do this without him, I couldn't jump on a plane and, and, have the global outreach that I do. And they let me know that I am indeed reaching out globally with the word of God. How powerful is that? This is the word of God. Glory be to God 
giving thanks to our Father because he is who he is. Hallelujah. He is who he is. And he allows me this. I've, I've shared this with you before is that um, when I share this, I've shared that I, I am taking from God's treasury, his, his blessing house, I, I call it. And it's so massive and so huge. It's, this, this, it's an illustration that there is no end to his resources. And even to get in the door, I have to have an angel help me to get in because I can't. The door is too massive. So I have to have angelic help to even get me in. And God permits me to get in. So the angel, of course, he obliges and he opens the door. And I go in and the shelves are full of these beautiful, beautiful, fine jewelry and things that are just so beautiful and shiny and the, and the gems and, you know, and I can go in and I sweep a shelf and put it in a basket to go out and share with everyone because that's what his word is to me. It's a treasure. And he allows that I go in and I can rake that shelf clean. But then when I turn and I look, it's just bubbling up again, like an artesian well. And the shelf that I just emptied is now full again. God's resources are that way. There are no end to them. The depth, the length, the width, the height of the love that God has for us is that way. There is nothing that can separate us from that. Not a thing. Satan likes us to see what's not there. But they're not... And, re and you can't forget that Satan is, is really good at what he does. But remember this. False evidence appearing real. It's fakery. It's lying. It's deceit. Untruth. But makes it appear to be something that he's not. And this authority over him that Christ has given to us, he makes us think that we can't do anything about what he presents. He, he, and there are those that do. Goodness gracious, they give in and they give up so quickly because Satan makes himself appear to be more grandiose than what he is. Christ Jesus gave us power and authority. We have that authority to step on the heads of serpents and on scorpions and to face down the power of the enemy and come to no harm. That's powerful. He gives us that in Luke. He gives us that in the book of Luke. And that, my brothers and sisters, is when the 70 come out. And remember, he get, he's giving a gentle rebuke there. He does. Because they come back and they're so excited about everything. Oh, we did this in your name. We did that in your name. We did this and this and this and this. Well, he's trying to get them to understand that it's not anything that they did. And he wants them to understand that it's by the glory of God and the grace of God and the power of God 
and that they didn't do anything. And this is what happens even when you are saying that, you know, oh, yeah, I did this and that and, and, and we used your name. We did it in your name. But it's easy to become subjugated by the thought that we have done it ourselves because that's the nature of our beast. But in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You will come to no harm. That's the truth. And that's given us by Christ Jesus. And he tells us that. And Satan doesn't want us to believe that. Well, you can face him down. And you can come to no harm because God gives us that authority. And even with all the things that are going on, because there's a lot of things going on, but we have to remember too that this is a fallen world and broken. And we have to know that it's that way, not because God created it that way, And we have done that in our pursuit of everything that we have decided because we are, we make a lot of mistakes. We do. And we are the ones who are the cause of the problems that go on. And we are looking around us, are seeing the results of that, that we are the causation of the issues and the fallen and brokenness that is going on because we have allowed these things to take place. And we see that this is all going on, but it's not because of anything God's done. It's what we have done. We have chosen to walk away. We have chosen to be argumentative. We have chosen to do what we have done. So brothers and sisters, we have to pay attention to these things and understand that we still have power and authority. And we have to remember that we also find in Luke 17, actually. We're going to go back into the book of Luke. We're going to jump back over there. Sorry, I went right by it. But Christ Jesus teaches this. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. What does that mean? There are things that are going to come and things that are going to be offensive. But woe unto him that is the causation. That means that you do this intentionally you bring those woes about and you do it purposefully just to hurt someone or to cause problems to them then you have a problem and that problem is not what you think is going to happen here physically but spiritually you have a problem you repent of that quickly but you still will need 
to give account of what you were doing? Why did you purposefully, willfully come after those persons, brother or sister? Why did you do that? And you did it knowing that it would cause them harm. That is offense and an abomination to God the Father. That's not a good thing. <clears throat> but we also have to remember that we are reminded by Paul and there are several things that we find But we have to remember that Christ is with us. God is with us. We have to remember that Jesus is full name. There are things that are in Jesus' name, and it's not just a first, middle, and last name. As we think of all of everything about Christ Jesus is has a spiritual meaning, and there's things that you have to understand. Jesus our Savior, Redeemer, Rescue. There's The name Jesus means several things in and of itself, in Aramaic and in Arabian and in Hebrew. Rescuer, Salvation, Redeemer. Jesus, Emmanuel. God in us, God with us. Christ anointed of God, appointed of God. And then, of course, Bar Joseph, because that's his earthly father. Jesus, Emmanuel, Christ, Bar Joseph. If you want to be culturally correct and you write his name out. Everything that's important you understand and everything that Christ teaches us and Christ teaches that there are things that are going to happen in this walk. And there are going to be things that are going to take place that are going to happen that are going to come about because of this plane of existence. Brothers and sisters, it's going to happen. And there are going to be something that is an inevitable part of our lives. And you have to remember that everything that Jesus talks about that are going to take place in that manner are on a temporal plane because we, we reside in a temporal plane. But in the spiritual, we are walking with him. We should be. Let me, let me rephrase that. We should be walking with him. And we should make sure that we are in pursuit of the truth, always the truth. And trouble comes when we don't pursue that truth. And we are reminded now when we go through and we see that Christ teaches when he's teaching on the Sermon on the Mount and he's going through the Beatitudes and all this. Remember that one of the Beatitudes that he teaches are that if we are persecuted for righteousness and for his sake and for the truth, that we are blessed. And we are of the kingdom of heaven.
And he also reminds us that in chapter 11, he also reminds us, he said that there are going to be those who are offended by anything that we say and that they're going to bring false accusations and untruths against us. But we have no reason to be upset by that. Because we have, Christ is with us. God is in us, God is with us. So why should we allow any of these things to be disturbing? We should not. We should not. Because the truth is that he is with us always. And remember that he always gives us peace. And John, that's what I was looking for. I knew it was over there somewhere and I kept getting by it and jumping over, that's okay. The Holy Spirit gives me tools and helps me. Thank you, Father. But in Jesus reminds us that we have these things are coming. And that we have to understand. John 16, 33, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have troubles, tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. But what's that peace that Jesus talks about? What is that? That is his peace. And remember when he appears in the upper room? What does he say? Peace. Peace that I bring because the peace of this world is not true. I bring you peace. My peace is something that we cannot understand. We can't fathom it, we can't figure it out, but it's real, it's there, and it's true. So that's what we need to pay attention to. Because it's real, and he brings it. We can't figure it out. Well, see, that therein lies a major problem that we have. We're always trying to figure things out. We're always trying to figure things out, and we can't. So stop it. Just stop it. Stop trying to figure all these things out. We have this habitual thing that we do, and we're reminded in, in, in my other readings and study the problems are part of this life. They're not something that we can get away from because they're part of this world. We, we brought them here. We did this. And folks are so ready and quick to blame God and point the finger at God that somehow it's God's fault that these things happen. I've shared this with you before. People build their homes and they live in places that they shouldn't, but they decide that it's really great and they can get away with doing it for really cheap. And then they have something like a tsunami that comes in because they didn't, and building their houses the way they did, they didn't bother building any kind of protection. Oh man, that hasn't happened here in decades. We're going to be a-okay. And then all of a sudden here comes a tsunami that wipes the houses right off the beach. I mean, erase that beach like they were never even there. And sadly, adversely, people are hurt. And even life is taken from them. That's sad. And then what do they do? Just like Israel did, 
When they were out there in the desert, they ignored what God told them. And then they turned to heaven and they shake their fists at heaven. Look what God did. Well, God didn't do that. You stiff-necked, stubborn people. You did that and you brought it on yourself. Oh, yes, you did. You stiff-necked and stubborn people, you brought it on yourself because you did something you shouldn't have done. And it's just like the folks that build in the bottoms. I've shared that with you. That's because the emulsion that comes from the fish when the river overflows its banks and, and carries it in there, that that land in the bottoms becomes very fertile. Oh, they love that. They can work it and they shouldn't live there, but what do they do? They then decide that they're going to build and live there because it's easier than bringing the equipment and they do it. And then the river stage comes. You know, it's cyclic. And here it comes again. It's that cyclic thing that happens. They shouldn't have done it, but they did. And then the houses are flooded. They lose their farm equipment. They lose their house. They lose everything that they had. Instead of, if they hadn't lived there and they just drove the track. I mean, I, I've got a cousin. I remember I did this with him. And I had to take one of the trucks because he was taking the other equipment and going to this field. He gave me directions on how to get there. And I used to be able to take shortcuts across the fields. And I had keys to all the gates. And I'd cross that field and I'd close that gate and I'd get to the next gate and go across. And we'd be there about the same time. And then he would be combining and the hopper would fill the truck. And then I had to take it to the silo. But he had to drive to these places and the equipment he kept in his house, which was not built in the bottoms. But he had, um, for lack of a better word, we'd call it a compound. And he had sheds where all, the, all of his equipment was stored. And he would transport it to where he needed to do the work. And he knew that. And that was okay with him because that was just what he did. But we have to understand that problems are part of our life. They're inescapable. They're, they're part of something that we have here because we have, we have consequential life that we have because we have made choices that we have made. And just like I am living a consequential life because of foolishness that I pursued as a younger man, but I'm not, I'm not going to shake my fists at God and try to blame God for this. No, God is, God is good. God is great. God is loving. And he is taking care of me now. Glory to God. And he's, he's allowing me to do this and share with you this truth. He's brought me. It took a while for me to get to where I am right now, honestly. And I am so glad and so thankful that my heavenly father is allowing this to be done. But something that we all have to be aware of that that this is um, that the troubles and trials and things are inescapably because we have made this fallen and broken world. And it's uh, as my reading shares, it's woven into the very fabric of our lives, meaning that it's a part of what we live. But the promise, the assurance that God gives us is that he is with us, he is for us, and he loves us. And even when we put up that silly tapestry that we pull up to try to separate him from us, he is relentless in his love and pursuit of us. And remember, I shared that word with you. He is, his step does not shorten, it does not slacken, and he comes for us no matter what because he loves us. And he comes looking for the one. And the 99 are in the fold. But here's the other thing that you have to understand. And the scriptures remind us of this. That when he finds us, after having been lost, there is a party. What was that song? Party like it's 1999, I think, was that thing, and I can't remember who, anyway. I think that was Prince saying that. 
but there is a party and a celebration in heaven that is beyond anything that you will understand. When God makes the announcement, I found him, I found her, I got him. They're here, they repented, they're back. And he's just squeezing you so hard you can hardly breathe. And then the trumpets sound, the pulsaries play, the timbrels are, are they're making such a revel, they're making such a revelry. The hosts of heaven are celebrating because you're back. But we tend to go into this world thinking that we are the problem solvers. And we have that mode that we click on and that we're going to do it. And that we allow ourselves to think that we are going to fix everything. But we can get away from that habit. We have to practice. And remember that when we do it that way, we can get very frustrated. And, and I, I will attest to that. And when I get in that mode and try to think that I'm going to get it, and then I can't get it, something is too small, I can't get my fingers to hold on to it just right, or, or there's some reason, I become frustrated and agitated, and, and God will just put his hand on my shoulder, and he says, it's okay. But what we do is we can head that off. As we have to make our relationship with God. And we have to realize, and, and part of the reason that I didn't do it is because I think that it's so trivial. See, this is the other thing that Satan wants you to believe that's not true. He wants you to think that it's too unimportant for God. God is too big, God is too great, and he doesn't want to hear it, and you have the audacity to talk to God about that? Oh my goodness. Well, guess what? Yeah, you do. And yes, you boldly come to God, and you say, Father, this is pretty small, but it's something that I, I need help with. And God says, okay, let's do this together. And what does he do? He rolls up his sleeves, and he gets ready to get into it with you. Everything, always. Don't forget, brothers and sisters, this is important. And this is what Satan wants us to forget, that you are a child of God. And he is our good, good father. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers by going out and my coming in. Be blessed this day.